Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Welcome, Small Group Network, to Reading Lens. I'm Nick Lindsay, and it's an honor to be your host. If you're with us for the first time, welcome. We're so excited you've joined us. Here's how Reading Lens works. Each month, I have with us a guest who is also a Small Group's point person to share with you insights from books we are reading and what our takeaways were and how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, or our small groups. This week is part two of a conversation that we're having about the book E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And my guest is Chris High, who is the founding pastor of the church that I I personally work for Hoboken Grace in Hoboken, New Jersey. And if you missed part one, I highly recommend that you go back to that last episode. You'll see it right in our feed and you'll get to hear some more context as to how Chris started Hoboken Grace and how this book has really influenced, you know, how we lead and organize our small groups at Hoboken Grace. And, you know, I'm grateful that we got this little bonus week because as we were recording, we just couldn't stop talking about the concepts that we've learned from this book. So that's why you're getting part two, which is which is great uh, for you. I promise you this is a, a really meaty episode, even though it's a little bit shorter, but it, it's got some really great stuff. So make sure you have something to write things down with um, or if you're in a car, find a, find a way to write that down later. Um, one last thing. Be sure to join us in our Facebook group following this podcast and share with us what your takeaway was from the episode. There's some really great conversations that go on there. As of this recording, we have over 5,400 members in that group, and that's 5,400 minds who are all thinking small groups. It's a great place to be. I learn new things every week. Okay, enough for me. Let's start part two of E-Myth. Uh, the other thing that this book is known for uh, is the message that it teaches around organizational strategy through organizational charts. So super awesome. You're listening to a podcast about org charts. Why are org charts so important? So Nick has experienced this with me so many times. Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm, I'm the advocate. Go ahead. <laughs> and this, my staff has hated me for this over the years and they got so annoyed by it. But they'd walk into staff meeting and I'd have the wall covered in or, you know, the org chart and laying out as, as they talk about in the book. Okay. Where, where do we want to be at the end of the year? Where do we want to be right now? We're looking at, if you walk into my office, I've got org charts up on my wall. One of them is where do we want to be by the end of this year? One of them is where do we want to be uh, within three years? and laying out, okay, what are the necessary pieces for that? This was so important for me as I started Hoboken Grace because I don't think it's just important to have the org charts to see the, the voids. What I, I love what the book teaches about how you fill an org chart. Most people fill it from the top down, but you really need to fill it from the bottom up. I love the idea of writing your name in every blank space because yeah, that's right. the reality of what you have to do. Yep. And then slowly replacing yourself. That's exactly. So when I read that, I said, this is genius. This is what I'm going to do. And you know, when we, when we first started Hoboken Grace, I didn't just have the org chart and work through, okay, these are the different roles that I have to play. I actually scheduled time for each of those roles in my week and would f specifically focus on the function of that role 
to develop the strategy or, or the, the, the system for that role before I then would hand it off to someone else. But then I also would have meetings of those teams and you, you say, oh, you had a meeting of a team. It was just me <laughs> meeting with me and all the other roles. And it really was. Me, the marketing director and me, the, me, the communications and me, the small groups guy. And <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I tried to do the hard work of being disciplined to still have the team meeting, even when it was me meeting with the other five me's uh, of working yeah. through what needed to happen that week and laying out. Uh, the plan for that week. Yeah. Don't miss that. Especially if you're a small group leader, like you're, you're trying to build these different roles inside of your group or you want to start meeting with people like literally go to the coffee shop and sit there by yourself and just pray for someone to be there sitting across from you next week. And it's just fascinating how often like that mentality of like, all right, I'm just going to be here every week at 11. And then you're able to walk into your group and say, Hey, I'm available for coffee every week at 11. You can come find me at this coffee shop. And mm -hmm. if you ever want to talk, like I'm going to be here and you'll be, you'll be really surprised at how like setting that consistency will helps you. And then will also help you, you grow what you're, what you're, you know, trying to fill those empty seats, but carry on. And, and then you, as the book says, you just start filling those roles. So then there was one other, then you, and here's the thing about having that meeting. And you know, we've had so many staff members that have pushed back yeah. on this. I was probably one of them. And, <laughs> and I, they'll come on staff and I'll say, okay, when's your staff meeting? They're like, I don't have a staff. I don't care if you have a staff. When's your staff meeting? Yeah. And you need to have a staff meeting and work through what needs to happen that week in those different roles. And then you invite people to that staff meeting. If you don't have the staff meeting, you're not, you don't have anything to invite someone to. Yeah. And the other thing that oftentimes would, would shock people is that they would be invited in the staff meeting and they were shocked at how surprised I was or, or how prepared I was for them. They're like, how did you, how'd you do that overnight? I didn't do it overnight. I've been doing it for six months by myself. <laughs> so, yeah. and, but you, you, then you're able to invite them in and you, and you, you know, you fill those roles with that org chart and, or within that org chart, it, it gives, so much, it gives so much clarity to individuals as far as where they fit in the mission. It gives clarity as far as how they should multiply. Mm -hmm. So you know that early on, especially if you were on staff, you were filling multiple roles too. Yeah. But we didn't just say, oh, you're this and hey, you have these other responsibilities. We had an org chart that said, you're in this role, this role, and this role. We want for you to eventually just be in this role. So you need to be working on multiplying these other roles. Mm -hmm. And those staff members were working on that intentionally and watching for people intentionally to be able to develop into those other, into those other positions. Yeah. If I, if, if I took nothing out of this book besides the org chart thing... I, it's genius, 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 genius. This is, this is why I said this to the staff the other day, cause we just walked through this book again. Mm -hmm. This is, this is why this book is still on all of those leaders reading lists. Yeah. Still to this day, because the individuals who understand true multiplication leadership, Look at that and realize genius. Yeah. So critical. The other thing to add in there too is that one of the reasons why this book stands up is that like... So this book was written before the internet. It's a business book before the internet and it still is valid. Like that's, that's another just 
great compliment to this book. I would say, you know, to, to talk about like the practical side of, of org charts that, that I learned along the way is um, when you, when you do this, don't underestimate what it is that you do. Um, so mm-hmm. when I came to the org chart, it, it became difficult to think of what would my staff necessarily look like because I just kept going, Oh, well, that's what the group director does. Like the group director does the communication for groups. The group director does the training. He does, the, they do the content. They do, they plan the events. They do all these different things and not realizing like, Oh, these are positions that like roles that people mm-hmm. could fill. And once I unlocked that, that really helps me put together, okay, who are the people who, who are the kind of roles that I want to see around this table helping us put this together as a core team? And, and one of the things I, I got to share with uh, Chris recently is that like, you know, when he originally introduced this to us, it, it really seemed like he wanted, he wanted something um, from us, right? Like, Hey, I want to see you grow this. Like our church needs to, you know, do this and we need to give people more opportunities. Not realizing that like ultimately one of the benefits of building your own staff is what he wanted for me and realizing like it is awesome to see a team work on something. My group's area is so much better because I have so many more inputs coming in, more ideas. Getting to see people use their gifts is always such a joy of experiencing God is getting to see like, man, God put this in you. Because like you used to do that role and you knew how difficult it was. And then Judy comes in and Judy just crushes it with such natural ability. And you're just like, I should have gave this to you six months ago. Like, <laughs> which, which is, which is huge. So I think that's a, that's a big part. And then go ahead. Uh, yeah. Another thing I'll say on that is this, a lot of you are big on the vision for where you want your group's department to go. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk about vision and leadership. The org chart is developing the vision of the organization yes. that accomplishes the vision. Yep. That's what the org chart is. It's doing the hard work of laying out the vision for the organization that will accomplish the vision for. Yeah. Thus organizational structure. Like does your structure allow you to put the weight on it that you're going to want to do your, your vision might be so heavy that you think that you're going to be able to handle it yourself. You're just going to burn yourself out. Hey, Small Group Network, Jason Banzoff here, and I interrupt this great episode of Reading Lens to talk to you about some new events that are coming up. Have you been missing connection and conferences over the past year? Well, you're in luck because we have a few great ones popping up all over the U.S. Here are just a few. Accelerate South Carolina is April 12th through the 13th. Accelerate Florida is April 20th through the 21st. Accelerate Las Vegas, May 4th through the 5th. And Align Nashville, May 12th. Make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events for more information. Now back to Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay. Okay, so once we have an idea of what we want our order chart to look like, What's next? So the next thing that you do is you begin to lay out, okay, what are the responsibilities? What is it? It's not just responsibilities. So we're actually in the process of doing this again as a staff. This is one of the reasons why my staff <laughs> gets tired of this because it never ends. If you're an organization that is continuing to grow it, this process, you have to come back to it over. You have to revisit it, revisit it. And what you have to do is, okay, here's the, the, the vision, the, the dream of what the, the organization is going to look like in order to accomplish the vision of impact that we have for our church family. 
then once you lay out the chart, then you have to go into each position and say, okay, this is the system of execution for this. And this is the positional description, which is what we're going to be working through yeah. in a couple of months. So we do a one page, one page positional description that describes what this person does and, uh, and what it is that they're, what their goal is, is in terms of accomplishment. But there's, a, there's another thing that teams with that, which is the system. There needs to be a clear communication of the system of that that this person executes, and that's why it's so important for for a group. I don't know why we divorce groups from this, mm-hmm. uh, because I think that I think I I'll, I'll, you know I'll say it again. I think it's because we think that groups don't have a role. Yeah, and and maybe they don't inside of your organization, but for us they actually have a very specific role they have to carry out. So we need that system built out for that leader um, and that positional yeah. description for that leader. And the other thing I would just say quickly that is beneficial about positional descriptions is um, one, it forces you to think about, all right, what is it that I would like this person to do? So I've learned the hard way of not having a positional description beforehand. And you lose the person because you don't have a set of expectations of what they're going to do. And like trying to build it in the air is just a bad way of doing uh, recruiting of just, yeah, just come on, come, we'll figure it out as we go. Like doesn't work. But, but then the same thing, it's fair to them because they know what they're getting into. And it really helps you in the long run because they're going to be with you longer because they know that they're fulfilling their mission and they're able to see that. So. Yeah. And then the last thing that I would say about positional descriptions, if, if you want to see examples, be, feel free to email me. I'll make sure it's included in our show descriptions as well. But um, it's just nick at hobokengrace.com. And I'll send you our org chart. I'll send you our positional descriptions so you can see what that format looks like. I think the only thing we might have left out too that I think is super important is time commitment. Think through how many hours yep. you want someone to serve. I think that'll help determine how much of this role can actually be done. I think is another thing that's like super important that people want to know that as well. I think when they're, we talked about like the expectations, you know, how much time do you need from someone? Um, but again, when you're able to give them this responsibility and they're able to see how they play in this picture, bigger picture, you're going to have them for so long. I promise you, like people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And these, these kind of roles really help with that. Um, being, being a part of that. So anything else that we missed from this book that you want to talk about? I don't, there's a lot in the book. It, it, and the great thing is it's very easy to understand. Mm-hmm. It's just written so well and that the concepts are easy to understand, not necessarily easy to put into practice, but easy, easy to understand. When, when you finish the book, you'll probably be a little overwhelmed. Yes, definitely. You'll probably be a little overwhelmed. <laughs> But this is why we come back to it annually though. Cause we pick up something different each time we read through it. Yeah. So, and you don't have to do it perfectly no. to benefit greatly. So we come back to it annually and I, I live in the tension of, Oh, we don't have it. We, we don't have exactly <laughs> where we, we need for it to be. There's still more to be done in it, but that's okay. We, we still benefit greatly from it and we keep trying to, develop it and build it. Cool. Yeah. I think one thing that I would want to hit on that was, I thought really important that stood out to me this time was, was talking about what usually happens in small businesses when things get difficult, Mm. how people tend to 
go back to getting small again or going for broke. So either they go all out and then they end up burnout and they quit and they're done or they retreat to what it used to be because I know I can handle that. And I think that's something that we see in churches a lot where, you know, they know what it's going to take to go to that next level to get through that barrier. But instead they say, you know what? I know what it takes to be at this level. I'm just going to hold it back and keep it there. I think that's good enough for me. Obviously I'm going to guess you see that in church planning and, in churches as well, or anything you oh, have to that? Absolutely. You, you see it constantly because we, we actually have the vision of where we need to go next as far as the impact that we want to have, but we don't develop the back-end vision that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. for the organization. So... You don't know it, but you are fulfilling all five of those roles. Yeah. You're not building systems for them. You're over delegating, which she talks about what you see happen with the individual in the book. So you're giving people these roles without giving them systems Mm -hmm. and it gets really complicated and you think, man, I just want to go back to being a small group leader again. I really liked being a small group leader before (laughs) my pastor asked me to be a small group director. And I wish I could just go back to that or the people in your group say, I just want to go back to, you know, being a greeter again, or I just want to go back to it because oftentimes there's not, there's not a system. And I know, I know you think that you are doing your leaders a favor by giving them freedom without a system. What you're, what you're asking them to do is to be able to build the Lego set without instructions. Yeah. And all of us know you can do amazing things with Legos if you have the instructions and you can, after you build that thing, you can do all sorts of things to that thing and you, and you can adjust and change and all of this, but the potential is only realized when you have that base system in place that you can build on. And, uh, and so when you start to see that happening, look closely at the system, when you start to feel that inside of yourself, understand it's the back end that's causing that, not, yeah. not the front end. And I find sometimes people move back because they know what's expected of them. Mm-hmm. And so if they move into, let's say, a, I hate using the term lesser role because every role is important, yes, right? Correct. But if they're moving back into something that doesn't allow them to, you know, they're influencing lives and things like that, obviously that carries significance with it. But if they're stepping back into something that's, that's individualistic and and for themselves, it's probably because they know what's expected of them. And so I think stepping back to whatever system they know. Yep. That that lets them, they've stepped into a non-system. Yeah. They're lost. They don't, I want to step back into a defined system. Mm -hmm. One that I know, one that I can carry out. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's move into the lightning round. So what's another book that you've read recently that's had an impact on your leadership? So as a staff, I, it's kind of embarrassing that I haven't read this before now, but <laughs> we're, we're reading Necessary Endings. I'm loving it. Yeah. Necessary Endings is by uh, Dr. Cloud. I don't know, is Townsend on this one or is it just I Cloud? Don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm the worst at looking at who actually wrote the books. Yeah. It's interesting. I always have to, cause I have to, I just assume they write it in their own voice. And so like, I, I actually go and try to figure out who it is and I want to hear it like 
So it's, it's and then you can get on an audiobook and find out yeah. if they're actually engaging people. Yeah. Some of them are engaging writers, but not engaging people. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then what's one book you're looking forward to? Um, I, the, it's the art, the, the tagline is the art of negotiate of negotiating. I think that you actually did it recently. Oh, never your, split the difference. Yes. <laughs> so you had told me about this. Nice. It seems intriguing to me. That's yeah. one that, that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. That was a great episode. Um, that book is not what you think it is, but it's a fun one because you get some fun FBI stories and some different negotiating things. And, um, it, it's a, it's a fantastic one. Well, Chris, it's truly a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for being with us. Man, wasn't that such a great episode? I've had the opportunity to work with Chris for now 12 years, and there's always a leadership lesson that I'm learning when I'm around him. I pray you get the same opportunity with your lead pastor too. As you heard earlier in this podcast, if you'd like a copy of the job descriptions, you can email me at nick at smallgroupnetwork.com, and I'll do my best to get those to you. They have been so beneficial for us in recruiting. I bring those job descriptions with me when I meet with potential candidates. It lets them ask questions about what the role looks like, and it, I also include in there, like I said earlier that I include how much time it's going to take them. And it's, it's just really helpful for them to think through, all right, do I have this time? Where would I fit that? And for us to talk through um, what are the expectations and what are the meetings that we have that go with that? And it's just really important to have those kind of job descriptions as you're, as you're recruiting. And I actually think it helps me get more yeses because then they know what to expect when they jump on our team. So um, if you'd like a copy of that, again, nick at smallgroupnetwork.com. Next time on Reading Lens, my guest will be one of the original members of the Small Group Network book crew, Andrew Camp. Andrew is a fantastic blogger for the Small Group Network and a deep thinker, which is why I love having conversations with him. You're not going to want to miss what he has to share about the book, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge by Clay Scroggins. I know there's a bunch of fans of this book already out there. I'm a few chapters in already as of this recording, and boy, is there already so many great learnings that I can't wait to share with you and how they apply to small groups and leading in your church. So... Come back next week for Inside Saddleback with Steve Gladen here on Group Talk. If you're already subscribed to Group Talk, that'll show up on your feed Wednesday morning. And if you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? Come on. Thanks for joining us today. Remember, readers are leaders. Take care. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website, smallgroupnetwork.com, to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.